Welcome to the Registered Investment Advisor Podcast, where financial services marketing expert Seth Green interviews experts, executives, and top producers to share can't-miss tips on how they successfully manage their financial service firms, grow their businesses, create great relationships, and influence the industry. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be interviewing David Chubbick from Parallel Financial. Uh, David, thanks so much for joining us. I'm excited to be on here. I, uh, I'm normally not on this side of the microphone, so I'm normally uh, interviewing, but uh, this will be fun. Awesome. Well, thanks for letting us flip the mic. Let's go back in time just a little bit and talk about how you got started in the business in the first place. Wow. That's an interesting story. So, Let's go back to uh, back to college. I was a very mediocre tennis player and um, ended up instead of playing college tennis, I would have been kind of the bottom of the barrel. I uh, I taught tennis at a club in, in Myrtle Beach and met my future wife there and somehow got the director of tennis job, which was an awesome gig at 21, 22 years old. Uh, we ended up moving back to her hometown. I uh, worked, started working for her mother, my mother-in-law, and we're just going to say that was not the greatest idea ever, and we'll leave it at that. And um, yes, I've always been interested in money, and I always wanted to be kind of involved with money because I never had any. My my parents, you know, we just didn't come from it. So uh, I got a job as a as a financial services rep at a state farm office, and you know, just kind of selling mutual funds and and learning about annuities and things like that. And that was cool. I enjoyed it. And then I had the opportunity to. Um, to purchase a nationwide insurance agency, uh, which was awesome. It gave me a really good background on risk management. And also I, I started working on my CFP in 2005. And and then um, back in 2019, they changed our contract. So where we were able to go independent. So I uh, did some due diligence and just fell in love with Parallel Financial. It's a great uh, independent uh, RIA. And uh, change my business model. So I spend 99% of my time working with clients on financial planning, financial services. And we have a really good team of people that helps with risk management, which is actually a really underlooked at part of anybody's financial plan. All right. So I'm sure the longer version of that story could probably fill a book somewhere um, if it hasn't already. So let's unpack that a little. Let's kind of let's unpack all of it. Um, Who is an ideal client for you now? So an ideal client is a business owner um, because I'm a business owner, right? I mean, in it, I have to still fill, figure out payroll and, and everything else. So I like business owners and um, because business owners have so many hats to wear and they oftentimes they put their own financial planning decisions kind of on the back burner because they're just involved with every aspect of running their business. Um, uniquely, I'm a certified value builder advisor. So in addition to all the traditional aspects of the financial planning process, I help business owners to increase the value of their biggest asset, which is their business, so that they can sell it for a higher multiple later. So it's kind of a pretty cool uh, offering. That is very cool. So what are some of the biggest mistakes those clients are making that you're helping them fix? So the biggest mistake is they just don't do anything and they just, they're stuck in the business and they don't take any time outside of the business. So let's go back and say, Seth, let's say you just get a job at at a big company, right? On day one, you are, whether you know it or not, you're checking a box that's enrolling yourself for the 401k plan for group benefits and all that stuff. So if you do nothing else as an employee of that big corporation, you're going to have something set up. 
um, as a business owner, you have to set up that 401k yourself or the simple IRA or the SEP or whatever. And oftentimes you just don't get around to that because you don't know what to do. You don't know who to help you. And then, um, you know, you just end up in your, in your late fifties with not a whole lot of, uh, not a whole lot of money saved up. I had, I took on a client last year making about $300,000 a year, has a really good company, but his assets, you know, his investable assets, he's in his late fifties, um, you know, like $150,000. So he just never just got started. It's not that he doesn't have the money. It's just that he didn't get started doing it or he got started way too late. That makes a lot of sense. And then how do you differentiate yourself from, you know, hundreds of thousands of other advisors and RIAs? Yeah, so a couple things that I do that I'm really proud of and that I that I take a lot of pride in is is number one, I do everybody says they're holistic, but a lot of advisors, they really are just investment managers or they sell some kind of investments. So my risk management background does give me a very unique perspective to where I can help business owners to manage risks as well. So if 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 you're a client of mine, if I helped you accumulate millions and millions and millions of dollars and did a good job there, but I'm not helping you to protect it because we're all one car accident away or one lawsuit or as a business owner, you have a, a lot of exposures that I can help you fix, you know, then I'm not really doing my job. So I look at risk management and take it very, very seriously. Uh, growing money is sexy. Protecting money isn't, but but protecting money is very important. And then, you know, like I said, I'm a certified value builder advisor, so I can walk businesses over the course of a year through the eight drivers of value. So there are basically eight things where if you get them right, you can sell your business for a much higher multiple when you're ready. Um, and your business is going to be more profitable while you're not, you know, while it's not sold. So it's kind of a win-win and it helps um, it helps business owners to view their business as an asset, not just an ATM machine. I think that's really important because it's a great analogy too. So, I mean, we're all, so many of us as business owners look at it as what cash can I take out? Um, what do you, how do you differentiate that? What do you mean? I don't want to assume anything. What do you mean by asset? And then how do you get someone to change their mindset? So the mindset of the business owner needs to be to where they are no longer the limiting factor. That's kind of the first thing. So how many businesses do you know where there are no processes and procedures? There are no, uh, you know, if the business owner took a week off, the business kind of goes to crap for lack of a better word, because, because it's not organized. So the first thing the business owner has to do is get into like a CEO mindset, not a worker mindset so that they can... Because let's say there's there's Seth's restaurant, and let's say I've been going there for years and years and years, and I always get to talk to Seth, and and um, that's because I like Seth, and he's a good dude. And but when Seth, who's going to buy Seth's restaurant? Because if I go there and Seth is no longer there, I'm not coming back because I was only going there for Seth. Now let's look at the other end. Let's look at uh, let's say Seth buys a franchise and he owns fifty of them. Each one of those fifty franchises are run the same way, so the customer is getting a a consistent experience. So we all need to look at running our business like a franchise if we can. I think that makes great sense. And you, I've seen online you've used the example like when Warren Buffett buys a company, he doesn't if he buys Coke. He's not going to Coca-Cola and bottling the Coke. He's not mixing exactly. it. You mm. know, if you look at someone who owns a McDonald's franchise, they didn't most likely buy it because they thought they were the best burgers in the world or it was going to make people live longer. 
they bought it and you'll never see, most likely, I would assume 99% of the time, you're never going to see an owner of McDonald's flipping burgers. Nope. If they ever set foot in it, it's only to pick up a check. Mm-hmm. So why? And nobody owns one McDonald's. You either own zero or you own like 20 or 30 of them. Right. They might Because they are systematized. One, but, right, right. They start with one right. and then realize, wow, this didn't take that much work. Um, yeah. I'm not doing much to run it day to day because I have a couple managers who work their three eight hour shifts and I'm good. And it's a cash cow. So how do you get a business owner who doesn't own a franchise to think, man, if I'm an investor, would I buy stock in my own company right now? That's the question that I ask people is, would you buy your company from you at this point? And if you would, would you buy it at a discount or would you buy it at a premium? And if you are really, really honest, and if you if your business is a train wreck, you need to fix that if you ever want to sell the business or if you want a less stressful life. And the other thing that business owners really need to look in the mirror and say, I'm not that freaking important. I need to not be involved with everything. I need to acknowledge that my team, whether it's virtual part-time, whether it's full-time in-person or anything in between, there are people that can do a lot of the things that need to be done much better than I can. Um, I was talking to my bookkeeper and she said something that was insane. She said, I really enjoy balancing checkbooks. And I'm like, are you crazy? Like who could possibly enjoy balancing checkbooks? But she does. And she does it better than I do. That's why I pay her to do it. Now I could struggle my way through it, but I'd be much better off spending my time talking to people like you and and doing business development and things that I am good at. Amen. A hundred percent agree with you there. Now you talked about something else when you were describing your history. Um, You talked about risk management and you talked about that being different from what a regular vanilla traditional investment advisor might provide. Can you talk a little bit more? What are you, how are you defining risk management and then talk more about what you're doing with that? Yeah. So especially when you're looking at uh, you know a high net worth client that's in their mid-50s and up, generally speaking, what you need is a lot of singles and doubles for the rest of your life and just to not strike out consistently. So if your investments perform at six, seven, eight, nine percent, that's very reasonable, you're going to be fine. But what could really hurt you is is some 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 catastrophic market losses. So obviously having assets allocated in a way that can minimize that chance of the catastrophic portfolio decreases. But then also, like, what are the other things, for lack of a better term, that can put you into bankruptcy? So everything as simple as I've dealt with wealthy, wealthy clients who would say, well, you know, I don't believe in car insurance. It's a ripoff. I don't care if you believe it or not. Um, If you have MD after your name and you get into a car accident, you're getting sued for a lot more than someone who doesn't have MD after your name. So buy the umbrella policy. It'll cost you a couple hundred dollars a year. And then you have a couple million dollars of coverage because don't forget, insurance just protects your money. That's all it does. So if you cause me to have a loss, either you personally are paying to indemnify me or your insurance company, if you have the right coverages and policies, is paying to indemnify me. So I think you'd much rather your insurance company pay my damages than than yourself. Absolutely. 100% there. Agree. Why do you think that so many investment advisors don't touch those topics? They don't have the expertise. And in many cases, there's no compensation attached. Now, now my office does offer property and casualty insurance. So, you know, we do have a revenue stream from that. But if you're a typical financial advisor that's not involved in that, you know, you just, you don't have the expertise and you you have no financial incentive. So 
maybe not as fun, right? I mean, talking about I made you, you know, 38% last year on your investments is more fun than, hey, you know, we secured a million dollar liability umbrella for you. That's no fun. That's not sexy, but it still is is maybe equally important. Yeah, I agree. Again, there. Um, you alluded to the team. Talk a little bit about the team. So my investment and in, in wealth management business. I'm an advisor for Parallel Financial, so um, we have in-house money management and great administrative support, and and it's just a really really great team. It's it's a an independent RIA. As an OBA, as an outside business activity, I have uh, Chudik Financial Services and Insurance Group, and that um, is an independent property and casualty insurance agency. So um, we have uh, four people that uh, kind of run that and manage that. And so we do, we offer everything from, you know, your basic home and auto insurance and, you know, on up to business insurance. And most business owners really have no idea what they should have for their business insurance. And business owners have more exposures than they could possibly imagine. So we have the opportunity to kind of on both ends, we can, um, through Parallel Financial, I can help clients to to grow their assets. And then um, through my kind of my team and, and, and the, the agency, we can help to protect assets. That makes a lot of sense. You've achieved so much success and work, helped so many clients and made such a difference. What's your biggest challenge now? That's a really, really tough one. So I think for me, uh, time management is is always a just always a challenge. You know, where, where do you put your time? Uh, one of the biggest things when I kind of rebranded myself back in 2019 is I had to step away from being important to the insurance agency. So the little old lady that always wanted to talk to David about why her bill went up by two dollars a month. She just doesn't get to talk to me anymore. And that's hard because I'm a people pleaser and you know, I, I like people, but that's you can't handle every client. So uh finally have a really good support team that does a good job and and clients feel comfortable not dealing with me on most issues. And that frees me up to work with high net worth individuals and and uh and clients that are a little bit more complicated. Obviously if you're doing holistic financial planning for high net worth uh, investors, that's more than just writing a car insurance policy as far as time goes. Yeah, absolutely for sure. Your your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you're doing? I get to make a difference. Uh, I always say on my podcast that I believe wholeheartedly that how we handle our money should positively impact our lives and the lives of those around us. So I know I've been on both sides of the money scale. I, mean, I can tell you, I can tell you some of the the not great money stories, and and I've been to where money's okay and. Money doesn't make you happy, but lack of money certainly creates complexities and issues. And so how we handle our money and sometimes how we handle our money means you have have a husband and a wife with a young baby and they say, you know what, we're going to get our freaking expenses under control because one of us wants to not work anymore so we can spend more time with the baby. I mean, that's how you handle your money. And that's like, so when you help people to make those kind of decisions, you're you're literally impacting the world. So it's not only about how much money can I accumulate, it's how can I handle my money in a way that that just affects everybody positively. One of the biggest clients I ever had was by far the most miserable person I ever knew. And so the money, the millions and millions of dollars literally was a curse on him in, in a lot of different reasons. Why, you know what, that brings up an, another topic. So why do you think money is so emotionally charged and why do you think so many people have such negative stories or emotional connotations or hangups or limiting beliefs around money? 
Well, I think it, it. I've done a lot with the behavioral aspects of money. There's a couple different things. First of all, guys, we attach self-worth, whether we should or shouldn't, we attach a lot of our self-worth to how much money we have. And I think that's just kind of a deeply ingrained issue. So, you know, dudes just maybe feel inferior if, if there's another dude that has more money or appears to have more money that cuts at our soul. Um, we also were very highly impacted by how we were brought up around money. So if your parents were always maybe talking about those evil rich people that, you know, we're poor because the rich people are holding us down, you know, that might, that's going to stay with you forever or or until you consciously break out of it. So, um, but if your parents had a, a healthy view about money and about abundance and about generosity and about, um, you know, just because maybe I make more money, that doesn't mean there's less for you. We can both make a lot of money and have a good life. It doesn't mean that if I get an extra dollar, you're going to lose a dollar. So there's a lot of, you know, money's a deep psychological issue. Um, the other thing with money is it's, if you think about some of the more important aspects in your life, think about your spirituality, your health, your relationships, and your money, those are like the most important things. And they're all related in some ways, but we all tend to drift. So it's easier to not make decisions. It's easier to to um, procrastinate. It's easier to kind of fall into our normal negative tendencies. So I think the job of a good financial advisor is to kind of stop the drift and and help clients to to make the decisions. And oftentimes it's not that, like what I mentioned with my client making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year and really didn't have that much money. It's not that he didn't have money. He just never set that systematic investment in place until he was you know way older and he lost a lot of opportunity cost with compound interest. Yeah, for sure. Um, that makes a lot of sense. For our folks who are watching and listening and want to learn more, um, what is the best place for them to find you and Parallel? So Parallel Financial is pretty simple. Just go to www.parallelfinancial.com. We're, like I said, we're an awesome firm. Um, our chief investment officer and one of our founders, they put out some really good content on, on some market, um, market outlooks. Uh, my podcast is the Weekly Wealth Podcast. So you can find that on all the major platforms or just go to www.weeklywealthpodcast.com. And then if you're a business owner and if you've ever thought about selling your business as a means to fund your future lifestyle, Check out my my website, www.allofmyassets.com. So that's allofmyassets.com. And kind of the premise of that title is that most financial advisors, they help business owners with their assets, but not all of their assets. And typically your business is your most valuable asset. So I can help you manage that as well. Awesome. That makes a lot of sense. Well, we greatly appreciate your time. We know it's incredibly valuable. This has been Seth Green with David Chudik of Parallel Financial. David, thanks so much for joining us. Awesome. I enjoyed it. Thanks everybody for watching or listening. We will talk to you or see you next time. 49 faces looked to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? Grab your copy of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast, at 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com.